This is Pete Moore at Halo Talks NYC with my friend from San Francisco, Tristan, founder and CEO of Gym Sales. Welcome to Halo Talks. Pete, absolute pleasure to be here. But with the introduction from San Francisco and Australian accent, I'm probably going to confuse people here. All right, well, we'll keep them confused until the end. Let's okay, do that. Got it. So um, we, we know a lot of uh, the same people in the uh, health and fitness industry. So uh, why don't you give our audience just a little background on what frustration you saw on the market that you couldn't solve with someone else's software and decided to become a software entrepreneur? Yeah, absolutely. So I was working with a franchise health club chain as an IT manager. This is back in Australia. Uh, and we grew the, that chain from 30 to 80 locations. And then my wife and I bought a club and we owned that for eight years. And being a technology guy from the from the background, uh, you know, I was trying to remote manage this business, looking after sales and marketing, and and saw this big need in the industry that all the membership management software products dealt with really well from when you're a member all the way through to, uh, you know, to, to selling and retention and billing, but they didn't really deal with the, the prospecting side of it. Uh, and I'd implemented Salesforce in a number of businesses before, but that was just a way too complex solution for uh, for, for my needs. So. Decided about building a product for myself. Uh, initially, it wasn't decided to be a business. It was just solving my own problems. And we rolled that out to our own club and it helped us increase by about 30% year on year. So from then, uh, I had friends asking me if they could use the product as well. And uh, and after a number of friends, I realized, hey, there's a business here and re- reinvested a lot more money and, uh, and made it a saleable product. So Tristan, when did you um, first become a real company and starting to provide software to people other than your friends? Yeah, so that was back in uh, 2013. Uh, so we, uh, after we got to you know, 10 or 20 friends, that was when we started really selling to people. And there was a number of independent clubs and a few, uh, a few 24-7 clubs, but our real big break in this market was selling to Good Life in Australia. Sure. Uh, Greg, so, Greg Oliver? Greg Oliver, yeah, yeah absolutely. This Greg Oliver. Yeah, he's, a, he's... He was a software a guy, man. too, before he, he ran those clubs. Absolutely, yeah. Involved in success, right? Billing software company, yep. so... Yeah, so they were our very early on customers, and they are very well respected in the market over there. They've got uh, you know, over 80 large, full-size clubs, mm-hmm. um, and th- that really helped our growth early on because um, they're very well respected, and the second we get, get into a sales conversation and say, good life users, then... Were you surprised that the industry hadn't evolved quicker? Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're running a sales organization. You know, the, the fitness industry is so sales heavy because, you know, we know those problems at the back end with retention. So uh, most clubs do have sales teams. And uh, th- there are many clubs out there today that are still running their sales organizations on you know, pen and paper or Excel spreadsheets. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, it is really surprising that many haven't moved to a technology platform for that. So what were other names you were considering besides gym sales? Seems like yeah. <laughs> I was a little bit lazy when I named the company. Well, wasn't I? It's, yeah. it's appropriate, though. Yeah. That's, that's exactly. I went right. to Pinkberry last night, so it's Pinkberry. Pink, there you go, Jim's yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't uh, wasn't really thinking this far down the track. Now that we've we're, we have over three thousand locations, I was really just thinking about a small business at that time. Sure, so, sure. Yeah. So, what were some of the uh, frustrations that you had once you you took Good Life on? Were they asking for a lot more bells and whistles, or did you? You know, just basically say, look, this is how we run the play and, and here's how we use the software. Or did uh, did you start getting some, uh, you know, version creep? Yeah. So I've been very, very careful about having a pretty clear product strategy uh, and not taking on 
too many things that are not going to uh, you know be be appropriate across all our customer base. So mm. I've been been very clear about that, and I think the the simple and easy to use design of our product is what's helped helped us grow really quickly. So very careful of that. However, all our early customers and still customers today come with some really great features, uh, feature suggestions that are really helping grow and shape our product roadmap. Yeah, I've seen. Um a number of uh, software companies that get kind of caught in the uh, the bell and whistle and the paintings never dry. And then the sales guys start to sell version four before version three is uh, fully implemented. So, I mean, that's, that's more of an art, I guess, for you to deal with than a, than a science and learn how to say no to people sometimes. That's exactly right. The, the challenge of saying no and the challenge of having a clear product roadmap and being able to explain that to your customers is why that feature is not important to us right now. Um, I think also integrations are important as well. Mm-hmm. Having open integrations with other platforms that will actually solve that problem really well. That's important. I would say that the the feedback from the industry from some of your clients and some of your competitors is that you have the easiest to use, the cleanest interface, and the most intuitive uh, software platform uh, when it comes to prospecting. Well, I'm, I'm pretty proud people are saying that because that's exactly what our product is trying to deliver for people. Yeah. So talk to us about, you know, what a club should expect and how easy the deployment process is and how the APIs work with all the different billing companies. Hmm. Yeah, so we're integrated with about 11 different uh, billing companies and depending on, the, depending on the system and how open their APIs are and how many customers we've got using it uh, is, is to d- differing levels of integration. So I'd talk to each one uh, kind of separately on that. But there's a, there's a very wide range from just a simple push of prospects from one system to the other to you know, fully deeply integrated uh, you know, two-way sync and, and keeping the status up to date and understanding how many visits they've had and, and those, those kind of things. Um, in terms of deployment of the product, uh, because we're handling just this one slice of it, the, mm-hmm. the prospect management, it is a really clear uh, and, and simple deployment process. Um, some customers we've got, we've sold them in a day and done their onboarding and training and they were going that afternoon. So it can be simple like that. For other customers who are doing a data migration from an existing software pl- uh, platform, uh, we kind of uh, plan, that, plan that out. So there are about 200,000 health and fitness studios and clubs around the world. What, uh, what countries do you have under your belt right now as, as uh, deployed and, and which ones uh, you know, are you trying to get into? Yeah. Uh, so we do actually have customers in about 24 countries. Uh, the majority, though, is in Australia, U.S. and Canada. They're our, our main growth markets. And uh, as you see going forward, are you getting a push for people to say, hey, I love your software. You guys do the right thing. Can you also do my billing? Can you also do, you know, other fitness nutrition or member management? Do you say, look, you know, I'm best in class and keep us in a box? Or how do you think about it? Because I'm sure there's temptation. We've absolutely look. We've had that temptation a number of times from from customers saying, "Hey, we love your product. Can you move out to billing?" Or from investors that come along and say, "Hey, we love what you're doing. How about you take on the billing side?" Uh, certainly not in our product roadmap at all. Not in our strategy as a company. We want to just solve this one problem really well. And you just mentioned there's 200,000 locations in the world. Uh, you know, we've got just 3,000 currently. There's so much growth that we can have without. Uh, uh, without expanding that pro- product f- feature set right now. And once you got a couple of the big clients, you, you also do several franchisors in the U.S.? Yeah, absolutely. Our largest franchisor in the U.S. is Snap Fitness with over 1,000 locations here in the U.S. 
And just from a, an investor standpoint, when they invest in SaaS companies and understanding the benefits of having franchisors as your clients, you know, as they add more locations, you're basically, there's no sales, they just turn it on. So you kind of got a double recurring revenue growth model, I think somebody came up with. Double, triple, I don't yeah. know, somebody, somebody used that term recently. Perfect. Yeah, we have, we have different structures with different franchise organizations. Um, Snap being one where it's across all their locations. We are, you know, we are branded and we integrated with their membership software, so automatically rolled out as they open new locations. And we have some other franchise organizations where uh, we do need to sell the product to individuals. So. so from a sales standpoint, do you tend to go to trade shows? Is it referrals? Is it uh, advertising? How, how do you go to market? So when I first started the company back in Australia, uh, we, we grew purely just from referral business. We didn't advertise. We, we really only did one trade show and, and grew to about 30% market share in two years in that country. Uh, in, in the US, most of our uh, marketing is through, through trade shows and then referrals from existing happy customers. So um, at the end of each month, do you look at the data and say, okay, you know, this club used to be pen and paper. Now they're using our software. They're up X percent in either closing or getting more leads in the funnel. You know, how do you gauge your success besides adding more customers? Yeah, it's definitely around the sales performance that clubs have. Um, when they've moved from a manual system in the past, generally they won't have that level of reporting that we can provide. So it's, mm -hmm. it's really hard to say, hey, we've increased your conversion rate by this because usually they won't be tracking things properly in the past. We measure ourselves a lot on how happy the sales team are at using the product and mm -hmm. are they enjoying using it? Are they using it every day? Um, and that's what we, we measure ourselves on. So it's an interesting point because um, some of the SaaS platforms that we've looked at that are uh, member benefits or member use, the, you, they might have, you know, 100 clubs, but only 5 or 10% of the members actually sign into that. So just so people understand, the sales team is basically, this is their main interface. Like th this might be the only software interface that they have. Exactly right. Yeah, the sales team would use this as their as their primary tool every day. Mm -hmm. And uh, w what do you get from some of the other tech stack providers when they uh, when they talk to you? Are you doing? Are you primarily APIing with companies that your customers are asking you to add to the tech stack? Are they? Are you saying, look, once you get to fifty or hundred? locations on your own with whatever bell and whistle software you have and then we'll integrate with you or how does that how does that work yeah we really only do integrations with membership software platforms based upon our customers needing it okay um, yeah so uh, early on we'd build them out for one or two locations uh, now, now we have a, a certain size uh, locations that come on board we'll, we'll build integration with the new membership software Gotcha. So you're in San Fran and you're you're also in Australia and you've got people all over the country and all over the world. Um, I'm sure you get calls all the time from venture firms that are contacting you. You know, how did you view going alone uh, effectively and just reinvesting in the business versus having a, a partner, at least to date? Yeah. I think uh, how we've grown to date without taking on any external investment has really uh, helped us focus on, I guess, profitability of the company and making sure that we are building a sustainable company, mm -hmm. uh, building a company that is, is growing um, at a reasonable rate, a company that is, uh, is, is growing healthily rather than us throwing lots of money at, uh, at growth and then 
hoping that there's another funding round to uh, to keep us surviving after that. So yeah, definitely building a building a sustainable company, um, and, and also uh, we are we are a remote company as well. We have uh, all, our, all our all our staff are located wherever they live in the world. It doesn't restrict us to hiring people that are in a fixed metropolitan location. Uh, so we can we can hire the best staff wherever they live. So building on that point, there are you know we're in a, a building here where it's uh, WeWork and some other colos, and there's this proliferation of teams being in the same place. I think that pendulum kind of swings back and forth. Uh, I think if you call JetBlue, like your you know the, the customer service agent is like in her house or in his house somewhere, you never know where they are. How do you manage these teams remotely? and feel like you're getting the best people and that you can manage them effectively? Yeah, so hiring for a remote company is certainly different. You do need to find staff that uh, can manage themselves and can Mm. manage their own time. Uh, You probably need to find people that don't go to work for the social aspects of sitting in an office next to colleagues. Mm -hmm. but I guess what we do as a company is we, we manage based upon outcomes. It's, it's, it's not about the amount of time that you're sitting at your desk, uh, you know, because we all know people aren't uh, uh, certainly always efficient every single hour that they're at, at, the, uh, at, at the desk. So we, we certainly manage on outcomes. Um, we run our team a lot through you know, video conferences every single day. We'll have multiple you know, video meetings and we still get to see everybody. And we sort of we do we do some fun things like that. And we, ha- we also do have uh, regular team uh, catch-ups as well where we we meet physically in in person gotcha so what does the future look like for for gym sales where do you want to take it and um how can we be helpful to you yeah right so look we're we're at three thousand locations at the moment out of you just mentioned two hundred thousand globally so Mm -hmm. you know we are we are on this path of continuing our continuing our, our growth uh Early on, when we started in our uh, home country of Australia, we got to 30% market share within two years. Mm-hmm. So we'd, uh, we'd love to continue that growth across the North American market uh, and, uh, and get to that same level of market share here. Great. Well, congrats on the success. Thanks for uh, coming and visiting with us and hope to uh, see you and do another podcast at 7,000 locations. Excellent. I look forward to it. Excellent. Next, next year. Sure. Of course. Good to meet you.